You are now tuning in to the Own the Build podcast. Join Sealing's very own Paul Hemming, where each week he interviews experts from the world of construction and asks all the important questions around intelligent construction management. Hello and welcome to episode 146, almost at the big 150 now, of the On The Build podcast with me, Paul Hemming. Today, we're four weeks since the last one. We're returning to the Future of Contracting series today. I am welcoming back the CVO, Chief Visionary Officer at C-Link, Christopher Barber. How are you, mate? Um, it's great. Am I the leader now or have I still got a couple more episodes to go? Um, that's a good question. I think you probably got a couple of episodes oh, to go, okay. and um, I might never acknowledge you as a leader. That's for, <laughs> that's for absolutely sure. So, on these episodes, as as you guys know, if you listen to one four two, if you haven't, go back listen to that before listening to this, perhaps. But really, the idea of these episodes is to talk about the future of the industry, talk about the future of main contracting, subcontracting. We're a tech business, as you guys know, kind of leading the fight in innovation and change in really what we want to see in the construction industry. We talk about a lot of the things that we have put into our software. The software will save quantity surveyors 600 hours every single project. And more than that, it's a thesis and a theory really behind why we've designed the software to be two-sided, main and subcontracted from our own experience. And we care deeply about it and the future of constru- contracting episode. I can't say that. Can I always get said the future of construction? Future of construction or contracting will go with. These episodes are all kind of based on why we set the company up and like our thesis behind how we think construction should work. A lot of it has come from conversations that we've also had through on the build with amazing guests and um, and the listeners. But today, what we're going to talk about is something that my good friend Christopher has banged on about for a long time. If you listen to episode 142, it is not IRS schedules. Thank <laughs> you, God, we've moved on from that. We are going to talk about why QSs shouldn't only have margin as their KPI. Now, interesting topic. I'm sure there's a few QSs in there thinking, what else matters? Oh, the other thing that matters is maybe program and blah, blah, blah. But we're going to get to that because there's a few things springing to my mind when Chris raised this. But you can click the link, you'll be able to see an ebook about KPIs, what QSs can be measured on that Chris has written himself and get his thoughts. But now we're going to talk to him about exactly that. So Chris, first and foremost, what inspired you to write this white paper ebook about QSs? KPIs. I think it was born through frustration of never actually having a KPI, <laughs> uh, whether or not if I was doing a good job or not when I was a QS, I think. Uh, I think that is the reason why I wrote it was, I didn't even know what one was. I know it sounds quite naive, but I was like, I didn't know if I was doing a good job or not. Um, and took me back how we measure our business, our performance, our our colleagues, etc., and standards we set for ourselves in terms of measuring. <clears throat> and it made me think, God, construction industry is lacking that, particularly in the SME sector. I know some of these bigger bigger companies may have uh, more robust kind of metrics and KPIs, let's say, but I never certainly had any. 
but my kind of de facto one in my head, the only way I could justify my existence was... <laughs> <laughs> you, you could never justify your existence, yeah, mate. Uh, is Yeah, <laughs> is was with margin, creating additional margin for the yeah. company. And then like you said, I mean, QS is probably think, what else matters really? Yeah, well, you know, I'd take it back to my own experience. I the One of the things that forever stuck out to me when I was a trainee QS was my first boss said to me, a good QS will make back his salary. I won't tell you what my salary was at the time because it was truly pathetic as a trainee QS, <laughs> but he said, uh, you should make that back on this project. And I remember thinking, oh, really? Okay. And so you talk about de facto KPI. For me, it was money. Hmm. So when I started in the construction industry, started at exactly the same time as a very close mate of mine. We both went into the same company, Harry, you know, and Harry was a project construction manager. My partner now, Anna, she's a project manager. So always had this difference between, you know, commercial hat and operational hat between QS and project manager. And I used to always think, God, thank God I'm a QS because when it comes around to appraisals, guess what? I can go in and I can say, remember that variation? I made all the money on that. Do you remember that extension of time claim? Do you remember this? Do you remember that? It's really, really obvious. Mm. I made you that money. Tangible, right? Yeah. So I used to always think, brilliant that we've got that because I used to think about Harry, think, what can he really do? He can go and say it's on time, blah, 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 blah. But it can't really say, you need to give me X because I've made you Y. So it's funny when you said it shouldn't be the de facto KPI, it took me back to when I was a young QS thinking, it's pretty great that that's the KPI. At least we had something obvious. So Take me back to, you, you, you said there, when I was a QS, I didn't know if I was doing a good job. That's not how I felt. I thought if I was doing a good job, I was making them a load of money. So that's how I thought. Just talk to me then about, could you describe why you didn't know you were doing a good job? Yeah, just to touch on on <coughs> a, a different, a slightly different point before I answer that is the reason I feel that, that de facto margin has just a big detrimental impact on the whole economy because if you're just looking at money, that's going to be the biggest issue, right? If you're looking at money, you're going to act in a certain way. But the reason why, touching on the point where you just said, why didn't I feel like I was doing a good job? I think because each project has got its own limitations and yeah. advantage and opportunities. So if you're handed a, a job from the estimator and they've done a shit job, <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't say shit, but you know, they've done a job, they've, they've not priced it correctly. It's got a rubbish margin. What do you do if you or if it's got a scope gap or whatever? Well, yeah, well, I mean, what? Yeah, it's been completely mispriced, and you're getting judged on on the profitability. Mm. How do you know if you're doing a good job? That's true. Uh, and each package as well has its own limitations as well. So you might look at there were some quick easy wins I've done before where like overpriced by the estimator. The easy win on like a little yeah, small but you keep that to yourself as a curious and say I did an amazing. I know, job. but it's not a true reflection, is it? Yeah. yeah, that is what I'm saying. It's not a true reflection of is the QS doing a good job, and that's why you can't just look at margin. Like some are easy. Like I, I remember a value engineer in a package, and I did a really well, quite a lot to be honest. But I, there was one that really stood out to me where we'd priced it, and I thought, well, this is our CDP, and it looks too far too robust in terms of the price, like and the allowances. We should be able to scale that back and then through kind of VE in it with this contractor. I got to, oh, I placed it for 50% less and it had no impact on the actual specification. And that was just through collaborating with the supply chain and getting, getting to that point. That is what I mean by that's like an intelligent way of doing it yeah. rather than just go out with, uh, out to tender, retender the package with some randomers, 
get a cheap price back and then just go, yeah, place in the order. They deliver an awful job. They're late. Quality is terrible. Health and safety issues. They've come back with a load of variations because there's loads of ambiguity. But you're just going to sit, sit there and yeah. go, I'm not paying you. And then what have you got left at the end? You've still got that margin left that you're justifying your role on. Yeah, now I think that, that people will be listening to this and we're going, yeah, obviously, obviously you don't go out to the cheapest person. You know, the cheapest price isn't always the best price, right? And they'll be almost rolling their eyes at that, Chris, and saying, yeah, 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 we get it. But I think you touched on an important point is the fact that you're not told what your metrics are, mm. right? I was told, go and make your, make your salary back and I'll be pleased, right? That's the metric I was told. It sounds like a similar metric for you, right? So obviously you are measured on did the job go well? Because if, if in that instance you, you had procured someone awful and the job had extended, everyone would look at that package and say, that's what killed the job. Well done, Chris. You procured that. Your fault, right? But it's not, you only did that because you were doing the right thing. You weren't being measured on that decision-making process, are you? Yeah. So my question is to you, you say that obviously margin is an important KPI. It shouldn't be the de facto KPI. What other things do you think can be brought into how a QS is measured? Yeah, so the industry um, has this tendency to rely on ambiguity to drive profitability. So that is the margin <coughs> side of it. But that creates a whole load of other issues, right? The ambiguous nature of tendering, purposely building in ambiguity to drive that profitability. Have you done that in the past? I uh, no, no. Because, you know me, I don't like conflict. And I would much prefer doing my work the front end and have an accurate picture than be issuing instructions, doing pay less notices, all these other things that or, come with additional admin later down the line, I'd rather put my, my energy in at the front end and make yeah. sure it's comprehensive. Plus, delivering the high-end schemes, you, the focus is on making sure you are as comprehensive as possible. Yeah. So in short, no, it, it's not an approach I took. But, you know, each to their own, right? So one, one thing that would highlight to me with the ambiguity is how much upstream variations you're getting from your supply chain that aren't client applicable. Mm -hmm. That would be something that I would look at as a KPI. What do you mean? What do you mean? Sorry. So, so you that would almost determine how high quality your your tendering is and how comprehensive your tendering is and procurement. Okay, so I see what you're saying. So just stopping there. I'm, I'm want to drill into that. So what you're saying is an interesting KPI would be: I'm the client, you're the main contractor. You have ten variations to me. All of them are subcontract variations as well, which means ten variations you get from your subcontractor attend chargeable variations to me 100 percent rate of variations absolutely epic you're an amazing qs right because only when there's a change do your subcontracts get a change right versus there are 10 client variations and 100 subby variations which means that for every one client variation you've got 10 subby variations which means you've got scope gaps with your subbies which means you've got a 10 percent rate i know that's very simple numbers but what you're saying is if i'm understanding that right if a KPI was how many of your sub-E variations are you mirroring a client? You're clearly a good QS who's done a good tender process. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Because if you've not, like you just said, if you're not doing a, a good tender process and being thorough and you're getting the changes and the variations from your subcontractors, even whether or not you pay them or not, it's just the volume. Like, is there a, is there a consistent theme? Yeah. Because then what that means is there's friction on site the subcontractor goes on the go slow because he's not getting paid his changes that he thinks is due. Yeah. 
then there's quality issues. All that all spirals various different issues off the back of being um, the ambiguous. I've never process. ever thought about that once, and I have managed many QSs. I have been managed by many commercial directors, commercial managers, whoever. Never once was that even thought up. I mean, trust you to go left field, but actually. <laughs> That is quite an interesting metric, isn't it? Because it does show how comprehensive your tender process is. And you said to me then, ambiguity is built in. That is the opposite of how you want to manage your process. You want absolute crystal clarity. So that in the 100 variation example, maybe one falls through the gap that you miss because whatever happened. But there shouldn't be any more than that. With me, the master of ambiguity, <laughs> apparently, if I'm, I'm probably getting 10... 10 variations through that my percentage is different. And if I was actually being measured on that, I can assure you that if it was me and you lined up against one another and you had a better, your procurement was better than mine, I'd go away and have a look in the mirror and say, we're going to change that next time round, right? So it's actually quite interesting just how that conversation has flown out from here because there'll be QSs listening thing. I don't get managed on that. There'll be commercial directors listening, managing directors listening, thinking... That's an interesting way to do it. I guess then it's how do you manage that? How do you build that into? But perhaps we can come to that. What else? So we've got KPIs being number one margin, obvious. Number two, I don't know how we're going to call it. Upstream but call variations or non-client non non <laughs> uh, variations. Okay. Non-client variation. Non variation ratio, right? What else? So uh, I would then, I'm just trying to think of kind of that, that those ten tangible uh, things that you can like the quantitative actually measure quantitative because I think that it should be a two-step process it should mm -hmm. be a quantitative and then that kind of qualitative yeah, process yeah. too let's do quantitative quantitative now so in terms of the other quantitative ones would be I kind of alluded into that what that actually does when you've got those non-client variations the impact that has mm -hmm. so non-conformances that like quality issue mm -hmm. Uh, would would be one. So, how many non-conformances <clears throat> have been issued to your subcontractors that you, you've procured? Because essentially, you, you've gone through a process. If you've cho chosen the cheapest or maybe the most not suitable person for it, there's going to be high levels of non-conformance because they're not the right people for the job. Do you think? I mean, uh, I know it sounds a bit harsh, but it is difficult that one, isn't it? Because I, I I do hear what you're saying. It's about am I picking the right contractor for this trade, but I reflect on, and it's different because I was largely procuring installers. But if I was being if I was being measured on their NCRs, I would feel uncomfortable. I'd feel it was almost a bit unfair. It's more of an operational site thing to do. But then at the same time, why isn't it a measure? Mm. E even if it isn't your measure, Chris, you failed because they had two hundred NCRs. Why is it not measured? Yeah, it's a project team, right? I think, and the severity of them. So the you know, someone's missing a bolt on a window. <laughs> That's a big, severe, right? And again, it does come to that procurement because there's varying schemes and quality levels, et cetera, that are required. But something where it's really important, are you saying to them, what is your quality control process? What process did you have in here? Mm. I've been, that's that extra step of being thorough in your procurement and, and, and having those necessary checks and balances in place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know it sounds harsh, but if you choose the cheapest and just make a rash decision and just get someone on site... You're going to high, highly likely going to uh, employ someone who isn't the right fit for the job. Yeah, and you know what? It, it comes back also to QS needs to care, really, really care about 
even just reflecting what I said there about it's not really my problem, is it? Yeah, it is. You chose them. You procured them. You put them into a contract. You 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 said this is the QA process that we're going to go to. So, yes, it should be. Should it be the absolute? Perhaps not. But even just recording it and saying this is how we're going to measure the quality output of that subcontract, and it then feeds in what we were talking about four weeks ago, doesn't it, with that tender strategy piece mm-hmm. of we're going to measure you on this, we're going to talk to you at the start of, if you're one of our five subcontractors, we're going to reflect and say, you know, last time around you had 184 NCRs of which 90 were serious, blah, blah, blah. Why was that? We're not going to pick you again. You need to change. And it all filters into it. So even if it's not your KPI, Chris, it could be part of the bigger picture of your KPI. It's kind of how I would see that. Yeah, it's that's almost like a team KPI uh, <clears throat> because, you know, what is the site pro- site and project manager doing about that as well? Are they going around? Are they are they assisting with that QA process? Mm-hmm. And and everybody's bought into it then because they'll be making sure, um, you know, almost not don't want to be following around on site <laughs> the subcontractor, but also making sure the subcontractor's doing the necessary handovers properly and they're checking it. It's not just a piece of paper that lands on the desk and they sign it. Have they actually yeah. done the done the proper? I think it comes back to data, doesn't it? And you know, we'll all be listening now, thinking about that dreaded NCR schedule on the job, which has got. It's an Excel spreadsheet, 176. Oh, I've got a fill-in number, line 177, 178. End of the job, disappears, forgotten about. No lessons learned ever, is there? It just never happens yep. because it was such a dreaded thing, let alone you actually said, well, hang on a minute. Who were these NCRs coming from? Why were they coming from somewhere? And I think that actually the point that you're making, whether it's QS or project, is it's about data and it's about reflecting on that data and putting it back to QS. You chose this guy, 60 NCRs or whatever. How are you going to impact next time around and learn a lesson? And that segues me on fantastically to our advert where we're going to talk about data and the importance of holding data as part of our software. So we will come back right after this break. Hello, it's me again. I wanted to share a quick story with you on why I co-founded C-Link with my best mate, Chris. Chris and I, we're both QSs, and this is going to sound sad, but one night we were sat in the pub talking about subcontract tendering and we realised the industry had a problem. Number one, procurement was too paper-based. Number two, it was too time-consuming and every QS had their own unique way of doing things. And number three, perhaps most importantly, if you want to competitively tender, you need to know hundreds of the best subcontractors. We simply didn't. That's why we created C-Link. It's software to solve subcontract tendering. We wanted to remove these challenges and help the industry get better. So if you or someone you know tenders with subcontractors, you've got to see our software. Head over to our link, www.get.c-link.com forward slash podcast to find out more. I will include it in the description box. So again, there's no excuses. Now, let's get right back to the show. Christopher, we've done quantitative, and I always struggle with this word. <laughs> let's talk about the qualitative KPIs. We've talked quantitative. Again, it's like Peter Piper, Peter Pepper, <laughs> isn't it? Um, so talk to me about those ones. So... Uh, this is, you know, I, I never had any qualitative 360 feedback when I was a QS. I'd look at it like kind of a 360, a bit of a buzzword, I think. Um, but 360 feedback between like three, let's say, of the, the key kind of stakeholders. So project team, 
client and the supply chain. Okay. So sticking with, let's go with the first one, right? So the project team. So what's really important is, you know, how have you engaged with that, your project team to deliver your aspects of the project and how's it gone essentially? And you could really delve into the procurement side of it. How much of a decision did, did who made a lot of the decisions? Was it done in a collaborative way? Did, you know, we're proper tender recommendations put together and then the QS, the site manager and the project manager went, we're going to go with that one. Was it, you know, a team decision or was it done in isolation? Because if it's done in isolation, you're going to take the rap for it. So my opinion would be, you want to be doing it with, with a couple of people. So, but so let's reflect on that because so many companies will have lessons learned meetings at the end of it right what we're actually talking about so you would reflect say well we should have done this package differently should have done that package differently in terms of your kbis your qs i'm managing you how do i go about getting that do i go and speak to your project team and say how did chris do on with that can you give me like your feedback on him yeah i think it needs to be done independently <clears throat> so someone who's not really attached to the project someone's responsible whether that's uh, you know, the HR or a commercial director or someone just should say, look, here's the feedback form. Everyone's going to, it's not just be the QS, it's going to yeah. do it. It's going to be the, the project manager, site manager, et cetera, everybody involved. And it would be that open, open way of just saying, look, this is how I think it went. This is areas that we, I feel that went well, areas we could improve on. And that qualitative then is it gives, it helps make more informed decisions, I guess, on the quantitative side of things like oh they they did actually do a real good job there in the in the ve side and then you know oh, there's one package that went a bit strange but there's a good answer to that there was a it was difficult with the client client changed their mind to you know and you could really start understanding any the project in a bit more deeper get a deeper understanding of the project and what happened and almost actually what you're saying there then is that as a qs so if you do a 360 degree review right so you understand what the project team thinks of you like operate like how the site managers project managers interacted with you what the client thought of you what your subbies thought of you within reason you know what margin you achieved then you also uh, like how many non-client variations you had like value engineering all of these actual different elements that fall into the responsibility for qs it would actually be really really nice wouldn't it as a qs particularly like the younger that you are and you know you're trying to learn you want to learn and there we've just rattled off like seven or eight different metrics of some description it would probably be really nice to say really great at procurement really great at ve there's areas to improve when it comes to like your client relationship or your subcontractor management relationship where clearly there's a little bit of feedback and most people would be desperate to know about that right yeah and be desperate de desperate to think okay yeah that's a, so if my subbies thought that I'm going to change that next time around because everyone wants to get a better project, wants to deliver a better project, right? But the important thing being that you're saying is all you were ever asked was margin. Yeah. Didn't even get a bonus either. So uh, <laughs> uh, for after all, all these... Didn't do very well on the margin. Yeah, well, <laughs> question marks, but um, yeah, never got the bonus that I thought I might We're get. getting to the crux of this now. He didn't do well on margin, so you wanted to get a bit of qualitative research. <laughs> is that, oh, he's a quite a nice guy. He's a nice yeah, guy, yeah. yeah. Subbies um, loved you, did they? <laughs> yeah, I actually got on really well with the supply chain. That was um, one thing I definitely excelled in. It's, it's also you've got the voice in that three hundred and sixty, so you're giving it your your um, kind of two pence on what happened in the project with the supply chain with um, and with the, the client. But also imagine what that could build with 
the relationship with the subcontractors and supply chain, like having that kind of dialogue. Opportunity to yeah. say, what do you think of Chris? Mm. What, how did you feel you were, tr uh, you know, it's interesting. All of this, it still comes back to, oh, still your little buzz phrase, a 360 degree view, right? But we talked four weeks ago, go and listen to that episode 142 about humanizing the relationship with your supply chain. We believe that you should do it. And imagine, I know that the subbies that I've already spoken to on this show, if you gave them the opportunity to speak to someone in an organization and give fairly honest review of like how they interact on a certain job with the QS, they would love to be able to do that. Not to be able to say that QS was X, Y, and Z, but to be able to say, you know, like, I would have quite liked it if on this particular issue, there was that one variation, which ended up being a problem. If we talked about that more at procurement stage or blah, 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 we'd have VE'd it with you, but we were never given that opportunity. And then it became this big problem. Do you see what I mean? And mm -hmm. so actually, if you're, it all ties back to that tender strategy we yeah. talked about a few weeks ago, right? Because if the QS has all of these metrics, which is actually getting feedback on, actually understanding and being measured on, they will become better and your business will become better and will be appear a lot better, right? Yeah. I think there's one word here, it's countability. I think what that 360 does, it gives, I think people lower their standards in construction and how they behave because the way they operate on sites, and I'm generalizing a bit here, but I've been on many construction sites, subcontractor and main contractor, lower their standards in how they interact with one another. And they do that because they're not accountable. And what the 360 feedback will do, will give it, make them fully accountable for how they behave. And also the looking at the kind of quantitative side of things as well, makes them highly, highly accountable, not because the margin you can go, well, job wasn't priced, but <coughs> I couldn't really make the money on it. But have you gone through like, what's the other thing, other factors that are of the metrics of success, many, right? yeah. which we just listed out. So it is that accountability. You could go, well, job's not making money. I'm just going to do a half-assed job. Going to continue, yeah. just, there's no point. You can still do an amazing job as a QS. You can still be an amazing QS on non-profitable jobs. And that's where uh, I think the industry needs to change and take a It's funny, isn't it? Because there. even, you know, it's happened to me many times before where I would be pulled onto a job, which was a disaster. It was a bloodbath job. You'd be pulled onto it 65, 70% of the way through to steady the ship, to save the ship, if that's the right phrase, where margin was almost irrelevant because it was gone. That job was dead. But you'd almost be brought onto that to steady the ship, relax the client, relax the supply chain, build the relationship and just finish it off right quietly and pragmatically. And that almost is that qualitative KPI. But again, I never went to my boss and said, remember that job that was was trouble? I kind of steady the ship. You would have said, oh, you know, I've, I did a good job there, but you'd have never thought I made you good money. Mm -hmm. That I was never. How, how did you know you were doing a good job? Did you do a good job? I'm, uh, I'm sure you did, but where's the record of that ever happening? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, where as, it, as the site manager done a review and said, Paul came in, really steadied the ship, did an amazing job. I'm so grateful for him being here, you know, written down on a- And the subbies and the client. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a good point because even, I'm thinking I did do a good job, but I'm sure I'd have done a better job next time round if after it, subby, client, and whoever else had said, had given some feedback and then I got some candid feedback because it, you can only ever build blocks, can't you? And get better and better each time. And yeah, exactly. You're not that unless you've got an amazing manager. And I was so fortunate in my career to always have amazing managers, which helped me to accelerate. You're not going to go anywhere. And even with those amazing managers, I never really knew 
what those KPIs were. So I think you're actually making a really, really interesting point. I want to not change the topic, but just when you, when you raised this with me, I, I don't know if you'll remember this, but a few years ago, I think it was 2019, there was like this Construction Inquirer article written. And this article, I think some people will remember it. It was, the, the headline was, Subbies under attack from a new breed of aggressive quantity surveyors, right? And included within that, there were a load of quotes like, it's like these QSs are making bonuses on the back of how much they can scalp us. It's pretty depressing at the moment. There's certainly a new younger breed of QSs who are drilled by main contractors to get back. We've even had one QS say to us, it's only 50 grand, right? And like, it's easy to say that when you're a main contractor, not a subcontractor. And I remember seeing this article and it was a few years ago. I remember seeing lots of posts about it on social media, oh, blah, 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 blah. This is awful, the world that we're in now. And when you wrote this article about KPIs, my instant feeling was, is this what leads to subbies being under attack from a new breed of aggressive QSs? I don't think that it is. I think that it's a bit overplayed, this aggressive breed of QSs. But is there something in, if your only KPI is margin, that this can end up being the feeling in the sector? Yeah, I mean, that's at the heart of why I wrote it. Because if your focus is money and margin, you're going to act in a certain way. And what do those behaviours look like? They look like ambiguous tendering, creating lots of grey areas, placing orders with the cheapest, people have mispriced it, being overzealous and dogmatic on variations, mm. upstream to your clients are destroying relationships with your clients, destroying relationships with your supply chain. And that is the big issue we've got as a culture in the industry. And I do think it's because there's no accountability and we're all just focused on one thing. Money, 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 short term, yep. short term, short term. So if you could offer somebody who is managing quantity surveyors right now or has quantity surveyors in their business, one bit of advice, what would that be? Advice would be dig <clears throat> deeper into the KPIs and how to understand how their true performance is and making them accountable. And so on that basis, I'm going to kind of list out what I've been scribbling down here. Point number one to measure is margin. It's not the most important, but it's up there. Point number two is non-client variation ratio. So how many variations are not going to the client and the subcontractor? They should they should line up. Claims not paid. Just 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 to let you know, like yeah, because you know, sub QSQ go yeah yeah. There's no variations on this, but they're just being really harsh on the sub. Right. Yeah yeah, that 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 that's fair. Mm. Um, then you're talking about NCRs like quality basically. Yeah. what's the quality on site? It's a really easy metric that isn't it? Store that at the end of the job measure it on the QS, put it back into the supply chain. It's only a good thing to be measuring that and actually using it. Everyone is measuring it. No one is using it, at least in my experience, right? Then the next thing is going into the qualitative where you're talking about project feedback from supply chain, the subbies, from the client, from my colleagues, like how, how have I interacted. And if you gave me all of that once a project, once a year, A, you're going to be able to tell me where to improve and B, I'm going to improve, right? So it's it makes absolute sense and I completely agree with you. Yeah, I think what you get out of it, there's quite a lot of benefits as well, <clears throat> but ultimately job satisfaction. Yeah. You would definitely get that and because you can understand where you need to improve and it's you're not just progressing just because you're the intelligent, charismatic person in the room. Yeah. You're actually progressing off on, on genuine uh, output. And getting better. And... Yeah. 
you're getting better as a QS, your subbies are appreciating your business even more because you're actually engaging them. Probably your clients as well, because we didn't talk about that. But if you go back to your clients and say, look, we do 360 feedback and we want to know what you think of our project team. How could we be better on the next project that we deliver for you? They're probably going to be like, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, we'd love it if you did, if you'd done X, Y, and Z. And then in your next tender, you're going to say, you're going to act differently, aren't you? You're going to do things in a different way and they're going to think, God, these guys really mean business. We can build a long-term relationship with them. It's about having the voice, isn't it? So like you just said, touched on with the client. If the client is, feels like they've got a voice where they can give you constructive feedback and a mechanism to do that, that would be great. And you might actually win a job, even though the project didn't go too well. Yeah. They might think, I'm not using them again. They'll never learn. That's essentially what's probably going through their mind. Mm. Um, you know, they've not delivered. They're rubbish. They're very, very kind whatever, of whatever, yeah, aggressive right, yeah. to deal with, et cetera. And then if you say, oh, look, can you give us some feedback? And they might say, yeah, I liked um, your submission, how you delivered this, extra, but X, Y, Z. But, you know, you're really, really uh, cavalier approach on the extension of time claim. I would have appreciated if you approached it in this manner. Yeah. Um, and it would have made the, the project flow a lot uh, smoother. Wouldn't the construction industry be a better place for this? And I actually, you know, sometimes, Chris, you bring things to me and I think, who, who, what's he up to? <laughs> What, who is this guy? But this this one, and I think, you know, these are the kind of episodes I love doing where I know for a fact, because it's seeping into my mind, how I would run construction company, construction project, construction department differently. So I thank you for bringing it to me. And I will say again, guys, if you go and look in the show notes right now, you will see that ebook there. If you want to connect with either Chris or me and like drill into this a bit further, ask us any questions you can always do that you've got the linkedin and we're on paul and chris at c-link.com so get in touch chris i'll see you in four weeks and it is gonna be episode 150 so you better bring your a-game mate <laughs> can't wait thanks mate cheers mate thanks.